0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, uh, an afternoon from the UK. Uh, And I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Saturday morning in the fall. Here we
1: are at the end of, where are we in, October, moving into November. It's crazy. Next
0: next week will be Halloween. Yeah. Halloween episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show holiday really it's a great holiday um sorry for the stream hiccups on youtube uh i don't know i like messed with some obs settings last night and apparently lost my stream key so when i applied a new stream key it was like i don't like that one uh and we had to i had to sure. fix some things so uh i apologize. Um this is a D&D show. We're going to talk about all the interesting things that are happening in D&D, and there's some weird stuff going on. Uh, and it mm-hmm. is indeed my birthday, so thank you, Indoor Adventure, for saying happy birthday. And we got a Lex mm-hmm. Mandrake in chat. That's awesome. Really excited that you guys are here. Um, I like
1: Mandrakes. Not so much on the Lexes, but there really? are some okay. of the other types of Mandrakes I really
0: do like. Yeah. So well, i mean, to add to your campaigns. Yeah, uh, Yeah. The, the, the root, the Mandrake root is the really yeah, good one. Yeah, so. that's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, welcome everybody. This is really cool. Um, we got, uh, uh lots, of, lots of, lots of weird stuff to talk about. Uh, one of them is Wizards of the Coast is getting sued, apparently. Um, Might not be the only time. There's probably other ones. Yeah, yeah, and they're a company, so I'm sure it's all like whatever, but there's just yeah. been, uh, anyway, the, I'll put links in the, in the thing down below, mm-hmm. and I think I actually have on this, uh, already, um, but There is a a lawsuit by the people who created Dragonlance. Mm -hmm. Now, Wizards of the Coast owns Dragonlance, but the people that created it, kind of like how Ed Greenwood created Forgotten Realms, but it's an intellectual property of Wizards of the Coast because of TSR and things like that, Uh, Dragonlance is very much the same thing. So Mm -hmm. these uh, original creators wanted to write another series of Dragonlance novels, And to do that, they need Wizards of the Coast permission. And then Wizards of the Coast has to approve what they're doing to make sure it aligns with their brand and things like that. Well, uh, long story short, it seems like Wizards of the Coast didn't want to do this anymore. And after, uh, like, the first book is already written. Like, it's ready to be published kind of a thing. But they, uh, they pulled the plug and said, no, thank you. So the lawsuit is all about, hey, you guys canceled this for, like, illegitimate reasons kind of a thing. Um, and if you, and we, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know more about it than I do, Lucian, but uh... I don't. And I think the one thing that was kind of left out
1: that any, I don't think anybody knows, and we might not, because sometimes when you talk about legal matters, everybody clams up and their lawyers tell them they're not supposed to say anything. Yeah. Because if they go you to want an to agreement, safe. they'll put a, they'll put like a gag order on Tracy and them if they assign an agreement. But we never, but the only thing I haven't heard where I was going with that is, is what was Wizard's tr- reason given? for canceling the book? Like what were the words they used to say, hey, Tracy and Margaret, we're sorry, we're canceling the book because of this? We're I, I don't think I they gave, heard that yet. Yeah,
0: yeah, I don't think that they gave a, that. a reason. Um, I think it was something to do with, yeah. ah, I'm trying to think. But I think um, they'll
1: have to now because there's something going They have to say, here's why. And yeah. then we get to dissect that and say, no, you guys are not being fair or yes, you
0: are being, you yeah. know, but once we hear that. and. And I was going to bring up, like, uh, so uh, Cody from Taking20, he actually did a yeah. really good video on this. And I'll put that mm-hmm. link down below as well. But if you want to just, like, a good overview of what they're doing, he did a really good job of just kind of, like, here's what we know, here's what we don't know. And it's also really easy to vilify, like, Dungeons and Dragons and Wizards of the Coast and things like that. And you're right, maybe they didn't make good decisions, but uh, something that was a good takeaway from uh, Cody's video is that they haven't said anything. So like we're literally getting one side of a story, and that's really easy to be like, let's jump on the bandwagon and like hate everybody kind of a thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, we should wait and hear both sides and figure out what actually happened kind of a thing. And then you make a make a decision from that. So I I don't think uh, I don't think like I don't know yeah, so like, D and not going to get canceled or anything. Yeah, like no, people no. are still going to play <laughs> it, but like uh, it was it was just interesting. But yeah, basically they're yeah. anyway. So long story short, we're not getting uh, more Dragonlance material. And it sounds right. like uh, Wizards of the Coast could make a Dragonlance campaign setting. But like after something like this, I doubt that they're going to want to deal with Hasbro anymore. So we'll see. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Wait for more information. Don't jump mm-hmm. to conclusions on hearing half information. I think that's one of the reasons that we have as many issues as we do in our world right now, is we all like to jump to a conclusion. Not hearing everything, but... You know, I like those authors. I have read those books. They were cool Yeah, I, I, read, to see I, I, I read. them come back. I read the first
0: one a little bit, um, but I was um, going to ask you if you'd read them and if you yeah. like them and what have
1: you. Well, the, at least the trilogy. When, when I, I watched Cody's video, like you said, and he, he did a cool screenshot of all the books they have written. And it's a big, there's a whole bunch of them that I have not read from um, those two authors. In fact, back in the day when I read those books, I thought Tracy and Margaret were both women. I never even knew Tracy was a guy mm-hmm. until when I went back and researched it this last couple of years. I had even, I didn't even have any idea. Um, I just thought it was cool that there were two women writing D&D books back in the day. That's what <laughs> I was thinking in my head back then. So we'll see. Dragonlance is a cool campaign setting. It's not one we've seen come back in, like, when's the last time we've seen a book for one of the editions for Dragonlance? I'm thinking AD&D, did we get a third edition Dragonlance i don't think there was a third edition book of Dragonlance. Type, yeah fourth edition so it's not like it's been which is back weird because a lot of
0: people hold it in such high regard and it's probably yeah. because of the novels and they've made animated movies and things like that and yeah, there's and cartoons they're, they're fun. I've seen um yeah. and uh, i i remember reading the first one and really liking that wrestling mage guy he always seemed cool with his red robes and stuff but uh yeah the yeah. twin
1: brothers that had an issue
0: yeah that was such good stuff that
1: but it, it is 80s in nineties fantasy stuff too. So there is a certain type of fantasy that was pretty cool back then, you know that, but it was, you know, as we're seeing now, everything's coming back up where it's being looked at from another lens, the 2020 lens. And so now you have, you know, a lot of different stuff. So it's Uh interesting that I like the timeline that got set up because that made it more me understand. They were started their talks in 2017. Here we are three years later. That's a big commitment. Um, I, I never heard if they paid money to them or not throughout. I'm not if sure. If there had been any yeah. money exchanged, what the money was they were going to make off of it, that they're now not going to make off of it. I didn't see any of that listed. There but, was, you know, the, I'll let them yeah. figure it out. There it's was not, a I'm third
0: edition there. Dragonlance source book. They made oh, okay. quite a bit. So And a Dungeon Master's Guide for Dragonlance and stuff. So, or Dungeon Master Screen, sorry, but a campaign setting book. Okay, cool. So, so it was alive and kicking there, but nothing for fourth edition. Well, so.
1: maybe they'll work it out. Maybe they'll all get together in a room and they'll hash it out and everybody will make friends and, you know, we'll get more Dragonland stuff down the road.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is we also think like, like, I think the, the, um, the feeling is that like, man, they're super angry and they might not be, but like when you're dealing with big corporations, you don't call them up and be like, Hey, can you do me a favor? You go through legal channels, you know? And so they're like this will get their attention and they'll kind of have to respond. And so, yeah, so we'll see.
1: Yeah. Uh, Every, everybody in my chat is like, listen, all kinds of stuff up. You guys are way more on this story than I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All they that said, if you printing is true, I have no idea. Specifically,
0: our uh, RPG DMCA said uh, that they didn't cancel the book. They just said that they're not going to approve any further drafts. And that was their kind of like, easy way of not making the book go forward like legally in the contract or something they could just be like well if we don't approve any more drafts then the book is stalled forever and then we don't have to do x y and z and i think that's where they're upset so but yeah
1: um, and you know if you take it without again we don't know anything if they were let's say in good faith they wrote a good book so wizards of the coast read a pretty good Dragonlance book they mm-hmm. have it something happens and they decide we're not going to print this really good book and make money off this really good book. We're just done. So it just feels weird if they have a great book and it could make money, could make lots of money, that wizard's idea is, no, we don't want to make good lots of money and we don't want to put a good book out. Let's kill this. So I I just feel like we're missing something. There's something missing somewhere. For sure. We'll find out. I'm sure that will you know, in the days to come. And maybe if they don't get that, maybe they can go on and make that. If I was them, if I was um, Tracy and Margaret, maybe if you're listening to our show, which you probably are not, do a Kickstarter, create your own world, because you obviously can do it because you did Dragonlance. Create your own world. That's for a 5e setting. And you would smash Kickstarter stuff from all your fans that are saying, hey, we want stuff from you guys. And then you would own it. So just go, you know,
0: And how well did that work out for Gary Gygax?
1: I don't know, but it worked out for Matt Coville and it worked out for... Well,
0: Matt didn't have a proprietary thing earlier. But Gary Gygax specifically, he invented D&D and then tried to make another version that he could own, and it did not do well. No, I I don't
1: mean another version of D&D. I mean make a 5th edition world that they own.
0: I understand, yeah. Like, oh, okay. But I'm just using it as a comparison where it's like, yeah. I make this cool thing and it like like people remember you for that one thing, not necessarily what you're working on in the future. Yeah. And Colville didn't have that, like, you know, or, yes, Kickstarter was very good for him and that is your point. I see that. But what yeah. I'm saying is like it doesn't make sense because Colville didn't have a Dragonlance right. previously. You know? Right.
1: <laughs> but let me also bring in Critical Role, who also did a fifth edition book and made mm-hmm. plenty of money off
0: of it. Yeah.
1: In a Kickstarter before they went into a deal with Wild Mount, Yeah, well, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yep. Which, argu- arguably, I think they got Wild Mount because of that million-dollar, yeah. kajillion-dollar Kickstarter. I think it's, yeah, it beat mm-hmm. out... Um, or
1: go to Kickstarter yeah. and look at all the other 5e ones that are being published right now. They're making 100000 a couple hundred thousand for mm-hmm. anybody that's kind of putting out a 5e campaign setting. Um, Cobalt Press is putting them out, Jetpack 7. They're all making money off it. Those two famous authors, mm-hmm. I could see them making money off it.
0: No, they could yeah so we'll see, yeah uh, but we've talked about there. this before that we both kind of want to see a new campaign setting that like is rooted in fifth edition, like that would be really cool,
1: yeah I uh,
0: to be like, okay, we have all these races, how do we incorporate them into our setting, you know, mm, rather that than sense. uh and theros is a great example where we got theros, but that's not rooted in fifth edition because they're just basically like, well, here are the like three races you can be. You can't be the, all of these different races. You can only be these humans and these satyrs and things like that, centaurs. Uh, but it would be cool to have like, yeah, that, I don't know, just that setting that's like using the fifth edition mechanics, we're going to build a setting rather than trying to use uh, an older setting and shoehorn fifth edition mechanics on it. But.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I hear you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Lori should know what's going on. That, well, you had, I saw your note in there was Chris Perkins was talking. We did see him talking about some other things, but he also did a Barovia video this past week. So for those of you that are huge fans of Barovia, Ravenloft, um, I thought you might want to watch that one. It's, not, yeah. it's still not a world I played in or or wanted to look up more on, but I know you've ran some games in it. I know you played in it. Um, I know you had the books for uh, the Strahd adventure. Yeah. We know we're getting a redone Strahd adventure or like a special edition version box set kind yeah, of Yeah, the box set, that. I
0: think that comes out two in two or three days. So it's it's really close. Or if it's not, it might already be out. I'm not sure. Um, I wasn't too interested. I wasn't too keen on getting the $100 box set because I already had uh, the book. And and I have it on D&D Beyond and stuff like that. So if I'm going to run it, it's probably... Excuse me, it's probably going to be through D&D Beyond. But uh, yeah, that that is an interesting one where they wrote that uh, Ravenloft game and then uh, the more people were playing in it, it just kind of was like, well, we could expand on this. And if you start looking at all the second edition, like they call them the Domains of Dread. There's a whole map of mm-hmm. all these different realms. One's controlled by a hag and one's controlled by Strahd the Vampire. And they're all kind of like stuck in their own hell. Um, but they, they while they're there, you the people are stuck there with them. And so you have to complete some kind of task to leave and go to a different Domain of Dread and... Uh, It was interesting uh, studying Vecna uh, because the Vecna rises, no, Vecna Reborn? I can't remember. Uh, The second one, he's trapped in a domain of dread, and Vecna's trying to plot some creative way of how he can get out because these mysterious dark powers won't let him leave. And uh, I like that Wizards of the... Well, I like that TSR and and a lot of these authors, they, they don't stat or define certain things and Mm -hmm. so it's like well what is the dark powers it's like well we don't really know but like story-wise it's cool that there's some outside force that's keeping vecna you know like the vecna like trapped here um and and the lady of pain is similar where like she's in sigil and they've never statted her on purpose because if they do stat her then you could potentially take her out you know (laughs) um but if they don't do that then she's just this mysterious thing so uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, uh, Nerdarchy um, did—they've been doing weekly, daily live chats with people, and they had Chris Perkins on, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." So I sat down and uh, was watching that um, because I like Chris Perkins a lot. Um, and they were talking about uh, like older editions, older, older setting campaign settings. We've been talking about campaign settings all day, but one of them uh, was like, "Hey, are you guys gonna? Like, are you even thinking about releasing?" A 5th edition Planescape book, or this, or this, or, or uh, Spelljammer, or Dark Sun. Are you going to do that, or are you just going to kind of focus on your Magic the Gathering stuff? And uh, he had a really good way of saying it, where they, Wizards of the Coast now specifically, they don't want to make a book that you buy and take it home and put it on your shelf and never open it. And he's like, we did that a lot in 3rd and 4th edition. Where we would make these books and people would buy them because they'd be excited, but they didn't really—they weren't useful at their table, so they're just like, I don't know—and they kind of like put it on there, and then they just feel like that's wasted if you don't even open the book and read it or or use it in some way. So when they're talking about campaign settings, like Will you Spelljammer, for an example, um, he wants to know like what new and exciting story or what's something new we can do with that system, as opposed to. Uh, just kind of bringing it into fifth edition. Like that is a cheap, easy way to make a book and it makes money probably. But in the long run, will it spark a whole new bunch of people to be interested? And Eberron kind of did that. Like we got new stuff in that Eberron book that was not from the 3.5 era and uh, and and then it did do things like it statted the artificer for 5e and stuff like that. But but I thought that was an interesting mindset is there they they are aware that they're like we could just print books. Like it's not hard to upstat Spelljammer and reprint it and send it out to you, but like as a company, like we don't want you to have another book on your shelf that doesn't do anything. Like we'd much rather, you know, make a make a, a core product. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they, he was saying like he just didn't see the purpose of five Eing a second edition campaign setting, and I thought that was really cool. So it was a good interview, and uh, they took questions from chat and stuff, which is not something you get with like lore you should know or the dragon stuff uh, questions. Um, so it was fun to just be able to. And I sent a question. I was like, Chris, I would like to know about this, and he's like, Oh, so it was cool. Very cool.
1: So if we extrapolate on that a little bit, do we take from what he said we're not going to get? older worlds five eified i don't
0: i don't think so or if they the do said it,
1: that's what you're taking from what he said
0: if they do they want to tell a new story with it so um oh okay so here's the idea of like uh maybe maybe they do a dark sun book
1: mm-hmm. but
0: uh maybe the spin on it this time around is instead of the sorcerer kings that are all over a dark sun Uh, maybe past adventures have taken those out. And so your goal now is, like, the world after that. And you have to figure out how to, like, regrow vegetation in the sand without magic and stuff like that. And so I don't know, like, like what's a new story we could tell as opposed to just, like, regurgitating the same thing is, I think, what he wants to do. Um, Because the Forgotten Realms is growing and changing and you know yeah. there's like things there's things happening in a lot of those uh adventures that have changed you know like El Terrell is different from Baldur's Gate that got teleported to Avernus and stuff like that and so uh they're it's I, I, I don't want to say it's a living world but they're you know I don't know they're they're moving forward with it giving it a history
1: so Tasha's Tasha's fits with that, so I wonder whatever the next book announcement. I wonder if it'll fit with what he's saying. Yeah. Because we don't have any more cities (laughs) in the in the Sword Coast to really do not big full on book on. So what is going to be the next campaign thing they throw out? I mean, besides we know we're going to get a probably another Magic the Gathering one.
0: But I wouldn't be be surprised if we, if they did, like, and I've talked about, like, Planescape before, but, like, a a Planescape slash Manual of the Planes kind of book, where, like, here are the existing... I don't know, planes, but we're going to give you some new tools of, like, this is specifically how you get from one to the other. And Mm -hmm. this is – there are gateways located here, here, and here, and here's, like, what you have to do to get through those gateways and uh, really, you know, statting it up so that it's a fun 5th edition resource uh, that has – I don't know. I don't want to say new mechanics, but, like, I don't know, just new stuff. So, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. This is – you're right. This is something we could just, like – pick apart when he just kind of flippantly said, like, we just want to make better books. So it's like, yeah. uh...
1: <laughs> Well, I'm sure he chose his words carefully because he knows what the schedule is, right? And he knows yeah. what they're working on. Yeah. So I'm sure he kind of picked it. So I'm wondering if we we keep that in mind, what he said, and then we kind of overlay it with what we start to get over the next year because we're going to get a bunch of new announcements coming up. We're almost done with this year, and we'll get the 2020 or the 2021 calendar of D D books that are going to go up on our shelves here pretty mm. soon i'm guessing so It'd be cool i'm right. interested i buy a lot of those books um i do put buy a lot of books and put them on my shelf and don't take them down very, very often so i mean i'm buying all those books too so
0: <laughs> um and you're right like i i read them though and so uh yeah. specifically fifth edition well Pretty much all of my books I read. Uh, some of them are there because you're like, "Oh, I want to like collect this or something." I understand the collection need, yeah. but uh, but you're right. Like I I haven't run out of the abyss. Like yeah. why did I buy we'll that? I never read through. it.
1: You'll read it. it but I read cool,
0: I've read it you know front and back a whole bunch, and it was fun for my channel when I was doing stuff on demons and things like that. And so yeah. it's I don't know. Like they're they're also just fun to read, but uh, I love them. but you're I think a lot of players were just like, okay, I got this like book. But if it doesn't have mechanical stuff for my character, then I'm just going to leave it on the shelf and things like that. So I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, speaking of playing games, uh, so yeah. Wizards of the Coast is introducing some online play. Um, they're gonna they're gonna host like a monthly online game, and I say host. They're going through a a a, a, a company that will connect players with DMS, um, and you pay a certain amount of money, um, and it's kind of like the gen con convention or i went to bride Mm -hmm. of PsychOpsCon, where we bought a ticket and then you spend the the like four dollars to be in a specific game um and that money is usually just so you show up because they don't want somebody like like if you actually have to put money down on it odds are you'll be there and you'll play rather than like well i'll just sign up for these 40 games but i'll only go to this one kind of a thing uh so it's it's I I was against it at first. I'm just like, I already paid a ticket to go to Gen Con, but then when I actually went to Gen Con, I'm like, oh, it makes a lot of sense that I had to just pay like $3 to be in this game. So, Mm -hmm. because there's so many no-shows, you know.
1: Yeah, there's some incentive.
0: Um, But you can sign up to be a player, and there's going to be a bunch of game slots. This is going to be November 13th and 15th. Uh, But the interesting thing is you can sign up to be a DM and get paid, apparently.
1: Yay.
0: Um, And you know how much we've been talking about, like, should dms get paid and like it's interesting mm-hmm. how it seems like it's okay now but maybe man like two years ago it was like oh it's it blasphemy like oh, yeah. i can't believe that you would ever do that and and uh, if we pay dms all of a sudden my dm for 17 years is going to want money for all the fun yeah, yeah. i've been having and it's like <laughs> well man, at least buy him a beer or something i don't know yeah. <laughs> like it's a lot of work so i don't <laughs> know are you do you think you'll uh take part in this virtual D and D weekend
1: it's november 13th through 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, i think i'm going to look at it because i feel like my work schedule isn't going to be too bad during that yeah. month. You should sign up for and a game and then we can maybe talk I'll about some stuff and maybe yeah. i'll get paid, jordan. Do it. Get paid. do it. Maybe i'll get paid. Do
0: it. I'll do some uh, good stuff.
1: But yeah, i think the idea dragon that... on the mount. Uh-huh.
0: Um, i've already ran it a couple of times for friends, so it was pretty do it. good. Do it. <laughs> do it. Uh so <laughs> Yeah, it's um but I think they want to do it every month. So December they'll have yeah. December 13th and or the middle of December and the middle of January. Uh and it's interesting now that I think like Goodman Games was doing this earlier where they're just like, mm-hmm. well, there's a pandemic. Guess we'll try this online stuff and they weren't good at it, but they were like, okay, we got to we'll try it. it. <laughs> and now it's like Three or four months later, and all of a sudden, uh, Wizards of the Coast is like, well, I guess we'll try some online stuff. Well, then here's um, a
1: question for which Jordan. Which they
0: did for their other cons earlier, but, like, boy, mm-hmm. that first one was real rough. And yeah, yeah. the live event or whatever, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're getting better, though. So.
1: so the question for Jordan, then, is if you could have a career as a DM, it would pay your bills. You could make enough each year that you would be able to support you and your family. Would would you choose that career? Would you be a career DM?
0: Um, so well, it's a trick question because no, it's, uh, not. it's not. No, <laughs> it is a very trick question because if if I have to run, uh, forty games a month, oh, forty cool. different games a month in order to have that look, I, in order for me to say, hey, that pays for my lifestyle, absolutely not. If, if I'm running two a games week? a week. If I'm running what if two if it's games forty hours. No, forty like hours. You no. no, that's you'd never be able to do forty hours a week of 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 being uh you're okay. <laughs> okay. So in your forty yeah. hour a week job right now, like yeah. I don't think you stopwatch, okay, I'm doing like I don't know. I don't I don't no no no. Like that's still a trick question. Because I see where you're going. forty hours of me being on the camera and like engaging and, and doing stuff for people uh, 40 hours of uh, of that plus of, like, researching and things like that to make your campaigns actually happen. I don't know. I don't think that... You don't think you'd do it? All no. Right. But if I, I'm running... Here's the funny thing is, If I'm running two I, or three games a week, yeah, then I would yeah, love to be When paid, I'm scheduled right now... $100,000 for two or three I'm games I'm on a week.
1: camera for 40 hours a week with the school districts that I teach software to and I'm on. Yeah. So I'm starting to think... Um, well, I could do that, or I could just be playing Dungeons & Dragons for 40 hours a week. But I I think I'm in your camp because the minute you turn the thing you like to do into work, uh-huh. somehow the dynamic begins to change, right? When you have to do it, and now you're not doing it because of fun. I know a lot of people say, you know, if you love to do it and you can get paid for it, that's the best thing in the world. But sometimes if you turn your hobby or that thing you like – into your job, then all of a sudden you start not liking your hobby anymore because now oh, it's your job. Now I don't know if that's true for everybody, and I'd be worried that that would happen to me. Um, but I would consider it if 40-hour a week, nothing crazy. You don't have to work the slave mines to make it work. You're getting enough money from each of the games that, you know, you put yeah. in a solid 40 hours, however you do it, and they pay you a, a, a living wage that is – equal to what you're making now i'd have to think you'd have to think about it a little (laughs) oh but (laughs)
0: yeah but i just i hear you you. if i can't choose the people i want to play with that's another thing now there's an argument i can't you know because it's like i can't fight you on that i mean yeah you 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 might have somebody who yeah you have somebody who buys a game and you're just like okay cool and you play with them once and you're like i know you signed up for a year-long campaign but i hate you I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I will not play with you, you anymore. <laughs> so uh, there, there's a lot of. That's why I say it's a trick question. It's not you trying to trick me into saying something uh, specifically, but I, I feel like it's. Uh, there's pitfalls. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's, it wouldn't be glam. It, it there's might there's more glamorous. to it than just saying. Do you yeah, want to get paid? And you're like, well, yeah, yeah but like, th- there's more to it than that, you know. <laughs> um. So I don't know, but I I find it interesting, and I and I wonder if that's an incentive for more people to uh dm
1: well would it be a, a possible careers where i was going could it be maybe yeah. you you don't think it's for you i don't think it's for me but could it be a viable career for somebody would mm-hmm. somebody look at that and go hey i i think i could do that I, that would be a fun job for me to have you mm-hmm. know throughout the year yeah. i don't know maybe there are
0: people that would, that would like that definitely like supplement income and stuff and, that. and
1: somebody put in yeah. in chat you know there are twitch streamers that are really kind of doing that they get on in the morning on their camera they stay on as late as they can they talk and interact with their audiences
0: and that's and i find that exhausting yeah just saying that out loud i'm like that is exhausting (laughs) i don't want to do that at all so and you you want to be a creator i'm feeling yeah before before websites like this there are even uh uh people were doing this with patreon for a long time Like, Mm -hmm. you know, sign up at the, the $80 level and I'll run a game for you. And, and everyone who's done that, uh, well, not everyone, but I, I've talked to quite a few people who have done that or are doing it and they do find it exhausting Mm because at the end of the day, you're just like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like I've already been doing some other stuff, but I have to like prep a game. And, and then I feel like I, maybe I'm a perfectionist too, but like when I sit down at a game and I'm just like, I didn't prep anything like i feel bad and i feel i if they were paying for it i would feel even worse (laughs) so (laughs) so i don't know i don't know uh Mm -hmm. that's a bigger discussion i guess but uh i thought anyway it's interesting that we're that it could be your side hustle yeah definitely a fun little side job uh but yeah for sure so (laughs) pizza pizza money for games there you go. Um, yeah, moving forward to uh, everybody's favorite part of the show, Bardic Inspiration.
1: I wasn't ready, so I'm just going to play mine when I click on this button. Right about, oh my god, it's so far up now. I have to scroll so far to get to
0: it. Oh, see, I made a, I made a whole OBS thing. I'm playing it now. Um, I've got an animation. You haven't been watching. I got like a horn. It's really no. cool. <laughs> yeah, you got to watch the show. You uh, should. One of these days, I've got it on my list. Of ones At to go least back check to. out the Bardic Inspiration thing I made. It's really cool. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: um, good. Bardic Inspiration, where we talk about uh, all of the uh, interesting things that we thought of during the week. Kind of like mm-hmm. what, we had a really good one last week. That was really cool. That that uh, cliff. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was your Bardic Inspiration? What inspired you this week, Lucian? Oh,
1: you, okay. So. I was thinking about what if we challenged our community or challenged our Dungeon Masters out there, challenged Jordan's brain. Could you create a fun and interesting water world campaign? So a campaign that is taking place on a a world that has been flooded. Mm. Everything is water. There's hints or rumors that there's land somewhere, but nobody's been able to find it years and years have gone by and you're on basically huge oceans but obviously there's all kinds of cool things underneath oceans so there's a lot of potential for cool adventuring and finding old empires and, and doing things there's a lot of cool opportunity for ship to ship combats there's a lot of cool opportunity for how do people create towns and cities and villages when everything's on top of water where do they get the materials for that so if you had the five E spells and, and all the skills that you could do, you know, would you have a platform where a druid was constantly growing stuff so that you could then cut it down for wood and make more ships? Would you come up with other ways to build and manufacture things when you have no no land to actually do it? So I thought could you make a really fun and cool campaign based on a full water world? Does that get you going? Does that get the juices flowing like last year or last uh, week? On last week, um, I yeah. was
0: literally thinking. Uh, I was trying to make a joke because I'm just like, how could you turn this into a Kevin Costner? And, uh, I didn't want to go campaign. there, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, instead of well, you're in Waterworld, but every character at the table has to be Kevin Costner from a different movie. So mm-hmm. like, I'm Robin Hood, and mm-hmm. and like we're all, but we're all a different Costner. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm from we're, we're known as the Costners, and yes. we travel the watery ways looking for land and uh, movie deals. Yeah. yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> um, I don't know. I that's a, that's a weird one because uh, oh, postman. That's another good one. Yeah, because you did
1: so, Salt Marsh, and Salt Marsh the book had a lot of naval themes to it, a lot of nautical right stuff.
0: So we're talking about two different things here. Earthquake. Um, one is a nautical <laughs> yeah. game. Yes, all about yes. it. I think that would be a lot of fun. I like underwater adventure. Underwater adventure. I like all of that. Like I, I'm still waiting for F- Forgotten Realms to give us a Sea of Fallen Stars adventure where we're sailing all around. Like that would so be really good. cool. Don't get me wrong. I love. I love that. Um, but I Superman's dad. Thank you, indoor. <laughs> I was like, yes. One of us is Superman's dad or dad. Um, but the entire planet covered in water. And, like, resources, I mean, I want to do the opposite. Like, I've, I've always been wanting to do the desert Mad Max camera. Desert World. Like, oh. I've been wanting to play that for a long time. Uh, okay. So, so I don't know. Because if if you don't have a, a hub, I guess your ship mm-hmm. is your hub. And you're going to have mm-hmm. a ship or something. So uh, maybe that's your home base, and your home base can just travel, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, I would but... think your players
1: would have a ship to start with. Yeah, they would be they would cruise some skimmers or some different ships. There would be there would be floating towns. There would be would you, yeah. or would you do that? Would you have like a floating town, and then five miles away is a floating village that supports the town? And maybe they do it by mm-hmm. kelp growing, and they bring the food over. So you could almost make a real world. It's just water is the mm-hmm. plane that they live on versus. They live on dirt. You know, how could that whole world work and still have towns and cities and villages? And it it kind of, you could almost go to the, if you watch that, Mortal Engines. I was just um, thinking
0: Mortal Engines, yeah.
1: All of a sudden you start to get into that kind of an idea where you still have cities and towns and villages, but things are different. So the water would change it and maybe those things float around and shift on current. So you have a current nation, not necessarily one that's drawn out and sits but it's more like this is the North current nation. This is the South current nation. And sometimes they come into war and they battle each other when they get too close and things start to change. Oh, and every wait. 50 years, the currents, you know, something happens with them and
0: causes strife. You, so there, you, I feel like there's a cool thing there. Do you hear that? The, no, I don't. the drums? The, the, yes. El Nino's coming. <gasps> El yes. Nino! El Nino! <laughs> and that'd be your campaign. Oh, so good. <laughs> uh, we must find or, the, the Holy Spirit. La Nina to counteract. What about about you place your
1: campaign as the sea level is falling and now revealing land for the first time. So it's been a world of all sea. It's been a world of everybody's been on water and we're finally in the beginning years of when it's all coming down and evaporating enough that land is starting to show again. And what kind Mm -hmm. of chaos does that cause as the mountains start to rise up from the oceans and the ancient cities start to be revealed mm. slowly throughout the years, you know, I don't know. I just, it kind of jumped into my head and I thought, could you, could you do some cool stuff with it? Cause you could do a lot of cool weather effects. You could have lots of cool ship to ship battles. I thought those would be fun for players in a campaign where you have lots of pirate fighting and lots of ships fighting and you could bring in weird ships like whales with, you know, big structures on them, or you could bring in, you know, any of the spell jammer ships, keep them on water, you don't have them fly. You know, what are the dragons doing? How did they try to survive this? How did the giants try to survive this? You know, they all must have tried to find a way to live in this world. They're just not going to die off. So Mm -hmm. it could be a fun thought exercise or a fun campaign for a group out of the norm, you know, way different than a normal campaign Mm -hmm. that you might be starting.
0: No. So again, talking or thinking while you're talking like, uh, they were talking about icebergs in YouTube chat, and uh, what if you had like oh, a icebergs, campaign? Yeah. What if you had a campaign that had some cataclysmic problem at the end, and then you're like, okay, we're gonna flash forward a thousand years, all the ice caps are melted, and so now you have a different group of adventurers, but they know, you know, your players know the history. And yeah. that's kind of fun. Like, how did we get here? Like, oh, wow. And they know, like, if only, I don't know, maybe you hear a rumor, like, if only we can get to this area and go down 5,000 feet, then we they can get think, the ancient relics the that are our previous characters yeah. had or something and maybe, like, reverse there. this. Yeah. Yeah. That's like actually that. similar because, uh, so my my Ghosts of Saltmarsh game ended in a TPK. Mm-hmm. But we were talking on the Saturday Morning D&D show, like, I could have been like, okay, all of those characters well, died. True. Make some new characters. We're gonna flash forward like thirty years where the Sahaguin mm-hmm. have now taken over Saltmarsh. Yeah. And that's a whole campaign that you could continue playing and it would be really fun. So
1: a cool timeline yeah. campaign really. is what you're you know, where you're playing in the timelines different. the players yeah. get to play in different parts of the timeline. Mm-hmm. That is that does sound fun.
0: Yeah, well, and, that was and other games have done that where it's like, okay, I want to go back and play. Like uh, Forgotten Realms specifically made a Netherese thing where it's like you can play at the beginning mm-hmm. of kind of the Netherese Empire as opposed to in you know modern day Forgotten Realms. So yeah,
1: yeah. well, last year's um, charity adventure they created in Dragon Plus, the one I got the play test was that you went and found a wizard's clock that was stuck. And part of the adventure was you would move the arm of the clock and you would go back a thousand years and you need to get something from there to fix the clock that you needed. And you actually went to the Tomb of Horrors as it's being built. Oh, cool. It's not completed yet. Yeah. They're creating it right now. And you get to go and you grab something, you bring it back, and then you move that arm again and it does another thing and you do another part in a different timeline. And then you finally get to come back and you get to fix the clock tower that is an old wizard's time. Uh, magical artifact thing. So it's it like a, a really video game kind of thing,
0: adventure. like uh, Chrono Trigger, yeah. where it's like I'm gonna go yeah. back in time and introduce a flaw. Like I'm gonna introduce a flaw into this blueprint or something. So when I go back to the future, I'll be able to like you know get past this because uh, yeah, he's now weak to fire or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, Mr. Cool. Midwell, talking about the Hollow World, uh, yeah, pull the plug at the bottom of the sea and just watch the oceans drain.
1: Yeah, so, so. now we can have both ideas come. Yeah, because we did the Hollow World one not too long yeah. ago too. So yeah, that'd be. And you would flood a whole nother and then they would rise up and be pissed at you, and they would invade the surface because of what you've done by pulling the plug and sending the water all to them. So they're mad at you. So yeah, you'd have a great war between the Hollow World and the Outer World. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> it great. So that was mine. I did have a bonus one, but I felt like I took up enough time on Waterworld. I wasn't sure if we were gonna. When I was thinking of it, I wasn't sure how far we'd be able to take it. But now that we are talking about it, I felt like, oh yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff there. So what was Jordan's uh, Bardic inspiration for well, this week?
0: Um. So I've been uh, I've been working on my. I'm, I'm trying to write a campaign setting. I think I've talked about yeah. this before. And I, I was working on it a lot this week uh, because of. Um, I didn't make a video for this week um, because I was really busy for other stuff. And it just was like a source of anxiety where I'm like, I'm not going to get this out on time. And so I finally was just like, just don't do it and like work on. And so I was working on this just to kind of clear my head and it's been a lot of fun. So I got a lot done on it, but specifically I've been reading a lot of, of real world mythology to say what, what of this real world mythology do I want to spin or adapt or take for my campaign setting? And Mm -hmm. One of the things that is in uh, a lot of different mythologies, but specifically we're going to talk about Greek mythology, are the Fates or the the Morai. And the Morai are these three women, um, and they are like the weavers of fate. And so they're they're spinsters, and they've got like their thread. And when you're born, they have like your whole uh, life in a tapestry kind of a thing, and they can alter that if they need to. But like, they're mm-hmm. in control of that. And I was wondering, like, how how could you use the concept of fate or even these three characters in your D&D game? And I want to think, like, mechanically. Like, when a character is at zero level, do I say, okay, you've got, like, ten fate points, and you can use those to, like, when you use one, you get, like, an automatic 20 or an automatic critical hit. So the player can kind of mold their fate based on that. But if they use it too fast, it's like, okay, well you used it all and now you're out of fate points and now your fate is dead. Or they could use it to come back from the dead, uh, but mm-hmm. then it's gone after that. And so that, I, I like the idea of, I don't, well, here's the thing. I don't like the idea of a player being like, or a DM being like, well, you can't do that because it's your fate to do this. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea that the player could, uh, I don't know, like it is my fate to do this. And, and giving them mechanical tools to assist them along the way. And then yeah. just saying, like, well, no, that's the gods blessing you in a way. Mm-hmm.
1: So I like the concept, just the general concept, if you take it out of it. In the beginning, you have more options. But the more you use them up, your fate becomes more and more locked in until you have no more options to change your fate. Oh, yeah. And so now you're locked in. So your decisions lock in your future, mm-hmm. which is just like a, a crazy thing to think about. And for your players to stumble upon without you saying that out, the whole campaign for me would be getting them at some point to have that epiphany of, wait a minute, I had so many cool options in the beginning, but now I have no options. I'm stuck yeah. because of everything I've done before. And they come to realize, oh, my God, we have so much potential when we start Yeah. <laughs> but our decisions kind of railroad us a little bit. That's interesting. I like
0: that. So yeah, I I don't know. And then I had an idea for a whole adventure (laughs) of like, you could start a new new adventure and it's like, oh, all of these children are born and they were destined to die by the time they're 25 or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is, that is their fate. Um, And so all of these kids are your players who are now like 20 or something or five years or maybe they're 24, who knows. It's like, Mm -hmm. you're going to die next year. Sorry, we never told you, but the fates are going to control your life. And that would be fun for your players to be like, "Well, I reject that," and they go and they search caves or sail or somewhere to find these fates and to challenge them, so that your players can actually rewrite the tapestry, um, so that they live or that they're destined for something else. And I thought that could be a, f- a whole fun adventure where it's like a cl- you have a ticking clock, basically, and it's yeah. like you gotta gotta find them fast or you're gonna die, kind of a thing uh and just i don't know i like this this concept of fate um mm-hmm. and that fate heavily plays into uh the uh uh Al-Kadim setting which is kind of interesting but from there it's really considered like this um not a deity but just kind of like oh that's fate you know and, and you just kind of go along with it but i i would like a a mechanical thing that represents fate i think that would be interesting So
1: I like the idea, too, that what you said at the beginning of that is you're going back and you're looking at mythology and you're trying to figure out how or what types of mythology do I want in the world I'm creating. And that kind of in my brain immediately went to, well, yeah, mythology has cool stories. But a lot of times they were supposed to be stories that were help us learn something right or help Mm. us tell something about something or warn us or or encourage us to be a certain way or not to do certain things or to look at things a certain way and i thought oh you have this whole new world that you're creating this campaign and you could create adventures to see if your players catch on to the lessons of these mythological stories Mm -hmm. or parables or whatever as they get to play them out in real time based on you know uh, you could do like the um david and goliath story Mm -hmm. but you change everything so it fits within your campaign world but it really is the lesson of david and goliath Mm -hmm. and what do they learn from that
0: you know, what do they, what do they pick up? Yeah, no, uh, Icarus oh, who flew clo- too close to the sun. Yeah, Could like, you create a campaign that makes yeah. them think about that? Maybe, yeah. maybe uh, they, the, yeah, that you create a campaign that's like. Or an adventure. Part or, of, yeah, I campaign. should say yeah, an adventure, yeah. but yeah, you have an adventure that's like, okay, we've got this uh, uh, spaceship or something that we've created and we're going to like fly mm. to the sun and, but they, they, they were pushing too fast or whatever. And then the sun mm. tore apart their ship and yeah. And then yeah. you're like, oh, oh, well, that's like a direct parallel. But like, I see what you're saying. I just yeah, think of anything do it in such a way, way that it doesn't. <laughs> it takes
1: them some time to catch on. Like they mm. don't know they don't immediately jump to. Wait a minute. Are we doing, you know, this this yeah. uh, storyline or whatever? So, but, but it's yeah, been really fun. If
0: you're a, a patron of mine, I ended up putting the um, the world map that I was building for the for the world. And in, and I, this was really fun. So baby Oliver, my son, made a. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we put paint in a canvas with a plastic bag around it and he kind of just like slapped it cause he's a baby. Um, but I took that painting and I took a picture of it and I loaded it into my software and I traced it to make a map. And then I put that into some, uh, map making software, uh, that I incarnate specifically, uh, which has been really cool. I, I mm-hmm. not sponsored, but like really love their service. And I've been painting a, a world map and I'm going to add some rivers and stuff, uh, probably today or tomorrow to kind of like finalize it. Uh, But it's been this fun project of like, oh, what's over here? And like, what's going to be over here? And like, (laughs) uh, I think like, this is going to be the Elven nation and this is going to be this and stuff. And then I'm creating, yeah, I don't know. World building is fun. And I have mostly always played in established worlds. Like I've played in Tolkien worlds and I've played in uh, forgotten realms, obviously. Um, And then Other games that I've played, like Numenera, I played in a Numenera established world. And Blades in the Dark, I played in their established world. So for me to be like, I don't know, like, how are tieflings viewed? Wait, do I even Mm -hmm. want tieflings in my game? I could just say no tieflings. Like, that's been interesting to me, where I'm like, oh, I, I don't have to have centaurs running around if I don't want them. Uh, And so it's, it's been fun. Or like, how are elves viewed? Like maybe the dark elves are fine and they just like interact with anyone. Like they do dark elves in Wildmount and in uh, Eberron are not like the super sinister evil people. They're just different kinds of elves. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. like, you you start thinking like, oh, I don't have to make them like Forgotten Realms elves, you know? So,
1: yeah.
0: So that's my bardic inspiration. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, coming up with this world, and I want to do some. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm gonna have to actually. If Lex is still in chat, I'm gonna have to pick your brain, Lex, about like a mechanical thing that fate can be done because that would be. You, you seem like you're really good at stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, going on to uh, what games did we play? I know Lucian played so many games, like more games than he's ever played before. Tell us all about it, Lucian.
1: Yeah, played no games this week uh, oh, on the tabletop. Made me was, a liar. Uh, I feel like there's been a few weeks where Jordan has said the same thing. Yeah, Because um, he's missed a few weeks of
0: gaming of here and there. <laughs> it's awful when you miss gaming. <laughs> I hate it. But you've been playing Baldur's um, so Gate 3?
1: They played. I didn't. So the campaign went on. They, oh. they ended up playing that night. Um, so we're still in the third level of Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um, I assume they made it through the big fight that we were in because that's how we had left it off. But it sounded like it was a big, nasty fight. So we, yeah. we used everything we had to win it. And it sounds like we're going to do a rest and then continue to explore. Sounds about as far as we got, um, but that's okay because that gives you way more time to talk about your games. Because sometimes I take it all up at the end of our show, anyways. So
0: have you, uh, you like have you game? experienced any like crazy monsters that were just like, oh my gosh, like this was a yeah. cool monster, yeah? yeah? Um, specifically Rod of Seven Parts, uh, my players are hanging out in Baldur's Gate, and this is one of those things where <laughs> they were. I had prepped a whole bunch of uh, plane of air encounters thinking mm-hmm. that they would go to the plane of air and like try to find the vadi and get information and meet them. And there's a whole thing. And they were just like, that sounds dangerous. We better stay in Baldur's Gate. So they shut the portal and they stayed in Baldur's Gate. And I was like, "Uh," but I had this monster that um, I found just kind of perusing through the um, D&D beyond. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think this is, oh, this is from Wildmount, this monster. Oh, okay. So uh, that's kind of cool. And it's a monstrosity, but I made it a fiend. But it's called an Aeoran Nullifier. Mm. And this was fun. And it looks like a, a humanoid man with long, scary arms and the head of a snake. And then on his chest are like seven different mouths, all snake-like, that kind of just like talk and whatever. So this this was fun because, uh, it, you know, this demon appeared and they had to attack the demon. But I've never ran a high-level monster like this that actually uh, threw my players for a loop, I guess I should say. And this is like Mm. in any campaign that I've ran. Because usually I'm like, oh, I'm going to destroy my players with this, and then they shut it down immediately. Uh, But this one was a lot of fun, because if you're within 20 feet of it, you have to make a saving throw, uh, and if you fail, you roll a d8 to see what you do. And so Mm. that was kind of interesting, because right off the get-go, Rikiri failed, and rolled a d8, and she just stood there stunned, and it was like, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> and then uh it has a bunch of ways to disrupt magic. So it can do counterspell at will, which is fun, um, even though I hate counterspell. It can cast dis- detect magic, dispel magic, and see invisibility at will. And then once a day, it can you. it has an anti-magic field. Uh, so I think my players really wanted to catch a demon and interrogate it to get some more information that way um and lex's character shifter ended up casting a wall of force around the creature and he was banging on it and tried to get out and then he cast anti-magic field and so we had like this wall of force and then another bubble of an anti-magic field and he like walks out of it and it was just a really cool (laughs) um visual that i really liked so this was fun, and everyone was trying to, like, stay away from it, and then they would cast spells, and he would counter it. And it was like, how can I goad him into countering a spell so that I can counter a bigger one later kind of a thing? Yeah. Uh, which I've heard that there are some uh, end end monsters in other um, Wizards of the Coast uh, m- modules that have similar effects. That I, Reading it, I'm like, that seems broken. But then I was like, oh, actually, that's kind of cool, because you only have one reaction, so you have to, like make the monster use this reaction so that we can do other stuff yeah
1: yeah we had a beholder fight that had a cone of anti-magic and it was rolling stock things where people are getting stunned or paralyzed or thrown up Mm -hmm. and then we it was countering certain things and we were trying to counter things so it was like it really made our group try to fight differently and do some things that they couldn't normally do like you said so it's yeah now and then to throw those in is great
0: (laughs) yeah so really cool monster you should check it out um and then specifically uh the Zentarum are becoming like a bigger kind of influence in in our game and uh siren who is played by lb hackamup uh her mother is the head of the Zentarum, is what we established so she's kind of like she knows something's up she's a little confused as to what's going on um and it's been really interesting uh, overall, our, our players have to get to the realm of pandemonium, which is called the windswept chaos, something can't remember off the top of my head, but it's a really nasty place. And I've been writing a whole bunch of like charts and stuff for like, when they get there, <laughs> they're going to have to roll randomly for these kind of things. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, when they actually do get to pandemonium, which I think is going to be uh soonish. So we gotta, we gotta end our game. It's coming up. How and many then I gotta start I another always game ask. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I always
1: ask, how many rod parts do they have? Because this oh, they is have a six. rod of seven yeah. parts. So they're just missing the one now. Yep, and the last and one is, is
0: conveniently with the final boss. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Do they have all six together? Nope, they haven't, they haven't assembled them yet. They're still uh, two, two, and one, and one.
1: Is that going to doom them if they don't put it together? Because I assume the way you beat the bad guy is that you have the six rods assembled. Yeah. I should put you in my next
0: game because <laughs> you're on you're on point. The rest oh, yeah. of them are kind of like I don't know, no, I, no. But combining them is risky, uh, and they know that, so I think they've been hesitant to do it. But like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Awesome. So we'll see where that goes. Um, I played uh Dutch Crawl Classics Lankmar game. Uh, uh, Danimal, you can take a drink.
1: Um,
0: Lankmar is uh, a series of books. Fafid and the Gray Mauser. Um, is uh, the characters, and there's a whole series of fantasy novels that inspired original Um, D&D. They're in Appendix N, is what it's called, of the Dungeon Master's Guide, the original DM's Guide. Um, And so Goodman Games, who makes Dungeon Crawl Classics, they got a hold of the Lankmar property, and they made a bunch of Lankmar games and stuff like that. So Lankmar is interesting because there's no clerics. And so it's like, well, how do you heal in a fantasy setting? religion is outlawed. Um, No, not outlawed. There's just... They don't exist. Like, the class of cleric doesn't exist in Lankmar. You're a wizard, a thief, or a warrior. Like, those are the things that you play. Um, So it's not like religion's outlawed or anything. It's just like it's not part of the system, not part of that world. Um, And everybody's kind of like a, I don't know, like a drinking smuggler or whatever. So you you restore hit points by spending uh, luck and drinking booze and things like that. It's kind of fun. So... I played a wizard, and we had to do a heist, and we're running around. Uh, and I I ended up dying because <laughs> it was funny. Like I had enough hit points to survive, but in DCC you can lose uh, you can lose um, status points pretty easy. And I had an agility of two, and uh, when the enemy wizard cast a spell, he. Th- put acid all over the walls and all over our bodies and stuff. And instead of hit point damage that actually did agility damage and it did exactly two points of agility damage to me. And I died. Uh, and I was like, okay, well I'm dead. And then judge James, my, my DM the ju- or the judge, he was just straight up like, well, I don't, I don't want to be mean. So you go to one agility. basically <laughs> like you can still play the game. And I was like, oh, thanks. So that was nice of him because it was just a one shot uh but it was a lot of fun um lankmar is an interesting world i didn't realize that the dcc lankmar was as flushed out as it is but like like you can go to all kinds of different places there's a giant I feel map. like it's a big like, thick book that they put it's out. a box set yeah that they yeah. came out with and then That's and then, box then box. the adventures on top of that they've got like 11 adventures that you can play so yeah. um it's really cool so that what was a cool lot of fun that was my my bride of cyclops con say what what cool
1: dice did you get to roll? Different, Because that's the cool thing about DCC is you've got weird dice sometimes to roll. So did you, as a wizard, get to roll anything weird
0: or Yeah, um, the wizard I played had a... Uh, he had plus one die for um, one of my spells. I think it was Spider Climb. So in, when you when you cast a spell in DCC, you have to roll a d20 plus your uh, spellcasting modifier. And if you roll a... 12 or higher something happens Mm -hmm. but if you roll an 11 or lower uh you forget the spell for the day and nothing happens so it can kind of stink when you're just like i want to cast fireball i forgot it and like it didn't didn't go off that that kind of stinks uh but it is really fun when you roll a you know natural 20 and you actually get like a 26 on your roll and then you look at the spell table and it's like oh i blew up a house Wow. And so you can do really cool stuff. And the idea is that magic is volatile and it just, you can't really control what happened. Uh, so DCC has the dice chain. And for my spider climb, I can roll, I get to roll a D24 instead of a D20. So there's that extra chance of doing extra damage and things like that. But, but no, we were rolling D5s and all kinds of stuff. I was casting color spray. I had a, I had a robot uh, familiar that followed me around and I named him uh, Bottholomew. And so, uh, me and uh, me, Lagabon and Bartholomew were running around. It was a lot of fun.
1: So, would you say Lankmar is a a low fantasy, high fantasy, steampunky? What what kind of what kind of so, feel to the setting are we getting?
0: Um, it's it's definitely it's definitely fantasy, and it's like a, a medieval fantasy, I think, because yeah. uh, there's like you know f- fire lamps and and the, no electricity and stuff like that. So. Uh, I I guess just, like, sword and sorcery. Like, you're usually just, like, a regular person that goes out and does stuff. Interestingly enough, in Dungeons & Dragons, original older D&D, wizards Mm. always had... (coughs) Sorry, not wizards. uh, Rogues and thieves always had the ability to, like, use magic item. And so it's like, I'm not magical, but I can use this wand. And that comes from uh, Lankmar and Fafid and the Grey Mauser because the wizards could do all kinds of wizardy stuff, and the thieves were sneaky, but they could also use, like, magic items, whereas the fighters didn't, really. They were just kind of, like, knights and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I would say... I want to read the books, but I would say, like, more of a... I don't know. Just sword and sorcery, I guess. Like, you're just an average guy, and I have to go take care of this. It's not world-ending events, for the most part. It's just, here's the... Here's the adventures of, you know, Jordan, the man with the silent PH. And that's the, the adventures awesome. of me. So. Uh, but it well, was fun.
1: Uh, Elise says happy birthday. She's in chat.
0: Oh, hi, Elise. Uh, she's, she's such a wonderful person.
1: Yeah.
0: So so that's what I did. Uh, and then if you guys are actually interested in Dungeon Crawl Classics, uh, we are, we, Jordan. Um, I'm going to mm. run some tonight on uh, the main YouTube channel, uh, the Jordan with PH YouTube channel. So I was going to play – sorry, I've got this cough. I was going to play Dungeon Crawl Classics with a bunch of my friends uh, here at the table, but it didn't work out. And so we were talking about it, and we're like, well, we could play online. And I was like, Mm -hmm. awesome. So I got uh, the people of the pit. I bought the, the maps and stuff from Goodman Games for Roll20, and then we were talking about running it and playing it. And I was like, you know what? Maybe a casually I'll just stream it on the web. So I, I think it's going to be real casual in the sense of uh, you'll, I'll have a webcam on me. You'll be able to see my Roll20 desktop. But I don't think they want to be on camera necessarily. But you'll be mm-hmm. able to hear their voices and see their tokens move and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be super casual. But we're going to play uh, People of the Pit. And... Um, and look for that on the main channel. I think it's going to be around five thirty six ish Pacific, uh, mm-hmm. but I'll have a I'll have an actual uh, stream video up that you guys can check out. So, uh, but it's going to be I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You'll play yeah, play games, fun, gonna be good. Um, yeah. So, anything else before we take off, sir?
1: I think that's about it. I think we're ready for you to
0: wrap it up and take us out of here. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, thanks for the birthday wishes. Really exciting. Yeah. Uh, and we will uh, talk to you next week with a very special Halloween episode. Uh, Lucian's going to dress up. I know he's going to be a mm-hmm. kitty cat. Um, he's really yeah. excited from for next from the week. movie Cats. Because from I the have movie Cats,
1: so I yeah. love. Yeah. <laughs> The Taylor uh, Swift character was my favorite. So.
0: It was good. It was. I mean, the whole movie, excellent. Uh, that was the movie that started the quick descent of 2020. I don't know if you know I, that. But
1: that's like what the hard cats part your... came
0: out, and then everything and just then kept just getting worse. Um, we that was, blame that was cats.
1: awful. I'm, I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for <laughs> watching. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, if not before, and uh, take care. We'll see you guys later. Bye, everybody.